everyone. Good morning. Welcome to church. Let's stand together and worship this morning. Turn to the person next to you and say hello.
know we've come to revival to seek the heart of God, to really just open our hearts to Him and really just start this year off right and just allowing God to speak into our lives and to do whatever He wants to do. And, and so as we lift up this song and just reflect on these words, you know, let's reflect on what life truly is about. And the truth is life is all about Him. It's all about living for Him and really just being the vessels for God in this world. And so let's just open our hearts to Him and just invite Him already just to prepare us, just to allow Him to do whatever He wants to do in us in these moments.
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy that we can have. No matter what our circumstances are, whether it's one degree outside or 80 degrees, Lord, we thank you that you are God. And that we, when we put our eyes and our faith and our trust in you, Jesus, that you will see us through, that you will be our defender, our guide, our lover. Father, thank you for being that in our lives. And so today, Lord, we come together to lift you up. We come together, Lord, to be revived. We ask, Lord, that you do something new in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would be people that would have an open and a soft heart to receive through your word, through your praise, Lord, that we would lift you up and say you're first in our lives, God. And not only do we sing that and praise that here this morning, but we go out and live it. Father, thank you so much for what you're already doing in our hearts, what you did last night, what you're continuing to do today. And God, we're going to give you all the glory and all the praise for everything that happens here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, good, good burr morning, everybody. <laughs> I happen to love it. How many people don't? Don't fight the elements. Go with it. <laughs> Go with it. Uh, we're going to take our tithes and offering in just a few moments. We're really thankful for your faithfulness. You guys are faithful. And uh, when you put God first, what you'll see is that he'll meet every need. He promised that in our life. I know that Buddy and I decided to do that many, many, many years ago, and every need that we've ever had has been supplied by him according to his riches in glory. So I hope that you've discovered that joy and that truth. So we're going to take our tithes and offering. We have a connection card there in your program. If you would communicate with us on that connection card, if we don't have your correct information, or if you would like to uh, have a prayer request or communicate with us in any way, we would appreciate that. Also, it's a good time to check in on Facebook. Facebook, that will say if you're not at Salem Fields Community Church or online, you still can uh, be part of this in the 11 o'clock service. And also remind everybody and share that thing that comes up about revival. We have begun first week. We started it last night. We're continuing continuing it today. Every message this week, uh, including last night, to today at 9 and 11, is a different message. So you might want to stay and then come tomorrow evening. Buddy will tell you more a little bit about that in a few moments. Now, if you want to get your giving statement for uh, how much you've given to Salem Fields this year, it's tax time again, right? We're in a new year. Yeah. Excited? Don't fight the elements. Go with it. <laughs> and you can go and you can download, download your giving statement. You can get the information right there. Makes it really, really easy for you. Uh, just go there, download it, and you've got it all ready to go when you file your taxes, okay? Well, we took our Thanksgiving offering. Does anyone remember what our goal was? 55, we set it way low, didn't we? <laughs> and look what we've received and what we have gotten $78,801. That's amazing, isn't it? And that's because of your faithfulness. And what you need to remember is that every penny of that is going to go to needs uh, around the world, in the U.S., in Virginia, and right here in our own community, right here in our own body, Salem Fields Community Church. So every penny of that will go to uh, needs in our, 
in our world. Well, uh, we, if you would like to be part of this incredible ministry that happens up here, uh, we would really love for you to, uh, if you play a musical instrument, or if you would like to, if you're a vocalist, if you would like to sing, I would love for you to sign up. I've got a table out there. I'm going to be out there. I think a couple of the other musicians or worship team leaders will be out there after the service. And uh, Tone, come on up here. I wanted Tone to tell you his little story because people looked at Tone and they said, oh, you're so good, I could never do that. And that's what you're saying out there. You're saying, I'm not that good up there. Well, Tone's got a little story about that. This tape is a little off. That's my fault. Anyway, so for those of you who don't know, I started my journey back in 2007, back there in that room there. It was way different. Looked a little bit uglier. Looks great now. But I started in 2007, and I couldn't really play. Um, Pastor Jason came up to me and said, hey, we need a drummer. I wanted to play guitar, because that's what all the cool people did. They didn't play drums. Put, got put on drums, and I found out that my granddad played drums. He'd been playing here at Salem Fields for, I don't know, three years prior to that. And uh, he used to play in Nashville and all this other stuff. Unbeknownst to me, I lived with him for, what, going on 24 years now. Didn't know that about him. Well, I did. I found that out, and then uh, I started taking little pointers from him here and there, and I started to get okay. I started to get okay. People started hearing me. I was able to pick, it, pick up the pocket real well, and I was getting better. And so after a while, I transitioned into the auditorium, and the first day I walked into the auditorium, I heard one of the guitarists say very, very quietly to somebody else, oh, my gosh, we're playing with a kid. He's not going to be any good. That's, that's literally what I heard. And I was like, okay, I need to do my best. I need to be better than whatever anybody else thought I was going to be. So I did. <clears throat> I played my heart out. I got really, really good, or at least I thought I did. And I got so good to the point where I thought I was doing it for me. And I would hear people come up to me, man, you're so good. You play those drums so well. You beat those skins so well. The skins are what goes on the top of the toms, if you didn't know. Um, and one day I was sitting in small group with Pastor Buddy back in the prayer room there. And he said, Tone, are you doing this for you or are you doing this for Christ? Are you doing this for you or are you doing it for Christ? And from that point on, I had to consider that. And I said, well, I need to turn... I need to make this a 180, not a 360, a 180. If I made a 360, I'd turn back around and be at the same place, right? So I made a 180, and I was Christ conscious in everything that I did, whether it was playing the drums, playing the guitar, speaking to anybody. It was all for Christ, for his glory. I encourage anybody here that plays an instrument but is intimidated to forget about the intimidation and step up. We need people to step up, not worry about the intimidation of others. If you're willing and you have the talent, please, please join us. Thank you. 
See, when you do ministry, talent is not enough. You don't focus just on your talent. There's a whole lot more to it. The team gets together on Thursday nights and uh, then comes together and leads people into worship. So be part of that. Stop at the uh, table and sign up. Well, Winter Retreat is coming. If you don't know what that is, it's a gathering of all of the teenagers across the state of Virginia, the district, uh, uh, the Nazarene Church. And they're going to be here on this date, 18th and 19th. So there's going to be a lot of energy. Oh, 19th and 20th. <laughs> I saw the heads going. Because you all know what it is, but I don't. <laughs> I've got a blind spot back here. Uh, so whatever the date is, when they're going to be here, the 19th through the 21st, that Saturday evening we won't have service. The 9 o'clock is going to be really packed. And so just keep that in mind. You can still come and be part of it. It's going to be a wonderful time. The 11 o'clock probably won't be quite as packed. But there's going to be energy here. And also, to pull this thing off, it's a huge event. And we really, uh, we would love for people to be part of this. Uh, just think, you could be the, make the difference in somebody's life getting to heaven. You could make an eternal difference by pouring yourself into this weekend. It's not just we need people. It's we get to be part of something that has eternal significance, not only in this generation, but in generations to come. And so Winter Retreat is all about that. Be part of it. At the same table that I'm signing up musicians, we're signing up people for Winter Retreat. So if you would just stop by there, I'm telling you, it's going to be really exciting and you'll want to be part of that. Also, we've got our membership class coming up, and that'll be next week. Am I right? Is it? Okay, it's next week. <laughs> See, I like, I like working with you here. <laughs> and uh, what this is is an opportunity for you to come and find out about Salem Fields Community Church. You can ask any question you want to ask. We're an open book. We want you to be able to, if you want to connect with this body, uh, God calls us to be connected to a local church body. And we can't be whole and complete unless we are. And we would love for you to connect with Salem Fields, but we want you, before you even and connect to know exactly what you're getting into. So this membership class is an opportunity for you to do that. We would encourage you to sign up. Pizza will be available and childcare, and uh, so it'll be a great time. Next week we start, uh, did somebody say something to me? <laughs> I know I'm forgetting things, but next week we start a new series called Fixer Upper. How many people watch Chip and Joanna Gaines? Yeah. Well, they take old dilapidated houses, right? And they, uh, they do remarkable things with it by fixing it up. And uh, so we're going to kick off this series next week, and we're going to talk about what it takes for, uh, for us to have some fixer-uppers in our life. And uh, I think it's going to be a good series. Invite your friends and come prepared and ready. After we uh, have this first week of revival, where our hearts are going to be open, and we're going to be all tuned up, ready for God to, to do something miraculous in our life. So we're going to continue to worship, take our tithes and offering. for living with you I've made my decision You lift me up fill my eyes with wonder Forever young in your love This freedom's untouched 
You guys watched her grow up, didn't you? Very, very quick, I forgot something. Uh, yesterday was Jody's anniversary of working at Salem Fields 15 years. Jody, are you in here? There you are. Come on up here. We've got something for you. 15 years is a long time, right? <laughs> so uh, we probably would have missed it, but she went around and told everybody, tomorrow's my 15 year. <laughs> she used to go around on her birthday and write it in everybody's planner. So Jody, thank you. And you want to say something? Yeah, I do. I really want to say something. Thank you. It's been a, quite a ride. <laughs> That's all. Uh, well, again, uh, welcome to first week, and I just want to call your attention to the fact that it continues to at 11 o'clock, so stay around, eat some donuts, drink some coffee, go to the cafe, have breakfast, but stay around at 11. We're going to do another uh, round of first week. It'll be a different message, and so you'll want to be a part of that, and then we'll continue tomorrow night at 6.15 right here in this room. We'll have dinner uh, at 6.15, and the service starts at 7.00. And our speaker will be uh, from Hill City Church in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Pastor John Wangler will be our speaker, and he's an excellent speaker. And we're excited about him being here. And then uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday, same time, uh, 6.15 for dinner, 7 for service, uh, Pastor John Mendendorf will be with us. He's actually with us now. He's doing a youth revival this weekend. And so he's speaking to our students today and uh, through tomorrow night. And so... Please mark your calendar and be here. You don't want to miss out. We planned all this for us to grow spiritually and start out this new year uh, with God being first in our lives and everything we do. So I hope that you'll make plans to be here. Also, just want to call your attention real quickly to an all-church meeting that we'll be having on July or January 17th. July, wow. Uh, I must be dreaming. January 17th, uh, we'll meet right here at Salem Fields. It's a time that we want to gather, Gay and I, and just share some things with you that's going on in our lives and the life of the church. And uh, we just want you to uh, be with us and be a part of what God's going to do over the next uh, year. So we hope that you'll be here and we'll give you a little rebuild update too uh, for those who have given to rebuild. So without me saying anything else, we're delighted today to have with us Dr. Sam Chan. He's from Atlanta. And uh, it's cold there too, and, uh, but Sam and I and Gay, we go a long way back. Uh, I first met Sam in Lagos, Nigeria, and uh, that's where he first threw me under the bus. I was just thinking about that last night, but anyway, uh, I haven't forgiven him for that yet. But anyway, Sam is an accomplished author. Uh, he is a life coach. He is a church consultant. He is a leadership person. And uh, you're going to be uh, really excited to be a part of these next two services. And so, uh, Sam, come and join us. And we're glad that you're here. Make him feel welcome today. So, Buddy and I are driving through Lagos. It is midday. Uh, we have a driver. We are both sitting in the back seat of this car. And in the middle of the day in Lagos, Nigeria, these police people, cops, pulled the car over. And uh, as is the custom, you know, you're supposed to just bless the police guy with some dollars, or they call it Naira. 
and life is good, keep on moving. Problem was our driver was a Christian. That's a problem. And he wouldn't pay them. So we kept moving from one location to the other and more and more police people start showing up and I'm saying, man, just pay the guy, be done with it. Because the more you go into the alley, the worse it gets. So finally, they pulled him out of the car, and this guy jumps into the, so remember, we're in the back seat here. Buddy's sitting on my left. I'm sitting here. Uh, the cop jumps in there with a gun, and he's got it right at us, maybe six, eight inches away from our face. So Buddy looks at me and says, what are we going to do? I said to him, what do you mean, we, white men? And that's how we met. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about that. How did we get in this room? How did we get here? How did we get here? Okay, how many of you are born and raised in Fredericksburg? Can I see your hands? Okay, keep them up there. Keep them up there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. The rest of us are all immigrants. <laughs> so the question is, how did we get here? How did we get to Salem Fields? How did we, how did we get to this room? How, what brought us here? Uh, why are we here? And what is the purpose of being here? I'm going to talk about Three very simple things. Why me? Why here? So what? Why me? Why here? So what? Everyone together. Why me? Why here? So what? Okay, get your hands out. This is going to be the most exercise you're going to get, you know. Uh, all day and after that you're going to go back to the cafe again. I, I saw some guy here walking around with donuts. Not donut. Donuts. It's like as if, if I'd eat it in church, there ain't no calories. Yeah, he, t he, to he told me that these are Christian donors. They are holy. So, but that's what happens in Salem Fields. You know, there's no calories over here. Rubicon, calorie-free. All right, you ready? One, two, three. Why me? Why here? So what? Okay, we're going to do the so what. We're going to do this again. And I need for you some shoulder shrugging like, who gives a rip? Like, so what? Okay, you ready? One, two, three. Why me? Why here? So what? There's a, an amazing story found in Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. Uh, let's begin reading in verse 16. The media people put it up there. Verse 16. Mark 15, 16. And the soldiers led him away, and the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple, and plaited a crown of thorns, and put it on his head. And began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed, and did spit upon him, and bowing their knees, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. Verse 21. And they compel one 
Simon. Everyone says Simon. A Cyrenian who passed by coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Everyone say Alexander. And everyone say Rufus. To bear his cross. So Jesus is being mocked and beat up in the praetorium. And they're carrying him out to crucify him. But rewind this whole scenario to about three months ago. There's a family that's called the Simon family. And they're in Cyrene. Where is Cyrene? So if you can think about the top of the African continent, the most northeast is Egypt. Next to it is Libya. In Libya, right on the Mediterranean Ocean, there's a town called, a city called Tripoli. We have all heard of that, Tripoli. Tripoli is a former Cyrene. Now you're saying, how do you know all that? Well, it's in your Bible. It's in the section called Maps. <laughs> it's the only colored section in your Bible. So there's a Simon family. He's got two sons, Rufus and Alexander. They decide they're going to go to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. How far is Jerusalem from Cyrene, from Tripoli? About 1,800 miles. So I Googled, you know, why pray when you can Google? 1,800 miles from Fredericksburg, Virginia. And the closest that comes, it's 1,866 miles, is Mexico City. That's a long ways from Fredericksburg. So from here, you'd have to go Caddy Corner across the United States and then turn a little south to go into Mexico City. So they decide they're going to go to Jerusalem. Now, how many of you know in those days, they didn't have cars, planes, and buses? It was all on foot. That's about a three-month journey. Anybody in here ever taken a road trip with your kids? <laughs> You're barely out of the driveway. And they want to know what? That's where every family vacation starts homicidal. <laughs> the attitude in the car within three miles is like, stop it. And so they start this journey. Obviously, there's a group of them, but there's Simon the dad, Alexander and Rufus the boys. They've been walking through treacherous territory. They've been walking through desert, and finally they make their last camp the night before they're going to go into the city for the feast of the Passover. They've timed it right. Next, last morning they wake up, all of them are excited because the daddy's been telling them, tomorrow, tomorrow. They wake up and they can see in the distance the city of Jerusalem. They pack up their tent or whatever they've got, and they start walking towards Jerusalem. As they're walking towards Jerusalem, they hear a noise. They can't figure out what it is. Pretty soon, they stop only hearing it, but they start seeing there's a mob. There's a lot of people coming, and they're coming toward them. 
They stop for a moment. And then they can start hearing what this mob is saying. This mob is saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They don't know who it is. They have not read the Jerusalem Times. They have not been watching the news for three months. They don't know what is going on. So they step aside. And this crowd starts coming at them. A mob starts coming at them. And the notice. Toward the front of the mob are Roman soldiers. And the notice. There's a man. All beat up. Blood coming everywhere. Back is lacerated. Eyes are puffy and swollen shut. Because Isaiah tells us. His visage was so marred, you could not recognize him. He's carrying a cross. Simon and his boys are stepping back. Obviously a convict. Obviously somebody's done something really bad. Obviously somebody's going to be crucified. But it's none of our business. We are just coming from Tripoli, from Cyrene. We're going into town. Just step back. Right where Simon and his boys are standing, Jesus falls. Jesus falters. The cross lays on top of him. No more strength to carry it any further. The only time in the Bible we see Jesus helpless. People wouldn't help him and heaven couldn't help him. The Roman soldiers have a dilemma. They have to get this convict known as Jesus to Golgotha, Calvary's wave, to crucify him. But how do we get him there? How do we get his cross there? Well, they had some choices. The Roman soldiers could carry the cross and prop up Jesus, but they were the occupiers. They weren't going to do that. The second option they had was to choose one of the hundreds of Jewish people who were saying, crucify him. But if they chose them and they touched the cross, they'd become unclean and could not participate in the Passover, which is the holiest day in that calendar. What do we do? Ah, there's this man. They don't know who Simon is, but they could tell by his dress that he was not from those parts. He was a foreigner. And they said to Simon, you carry his cross. Simon picks up the cross of Jesus and carries him, his cross, all the way to Golgotha. I'm talking about why me? Why here? So what? Three quick things. Number one, Simon teaches us some lessons. Number one, Simon was there. Simon was there. Simon was there. I got a question for you. Did anything in the life of Jesus Happened by accident. Uh, his, his, his birth is in, in the Psalms. 
Isaiah, Ezekiel, the prophets prophesy his birth. Paul later on says to us in Romans, in the fullness of time, everything about the birth of Jesus and his tenure on this planet was choreographed. We call it prophecy in heaven. So this moment was as important and as timed by heaven as any other moment in his life. So we have concluded that this was not an accidental moment. Do you think Simon was there by accident? So work with me for a moment. Jesus is being beat up all night. Three months ago, Simon started with his boys. Did Simon know what was laying ahead of him? No. Three months ago, he started his journey. Last night, he started his walk to Golgotha. Three months ago, one night ago, and guess what God was doing? He was pulling their lives together for this very moment. I need for you to know that you are not just drifting through life. You started your journey here. There's another journey that started there. And God is bringing your lives together and you and I don't even know it. We think, ah, we just found Salem Fields. Ah, I just saw her and got married to her. Ah, this is my... No, God has been pulling your lives together one step at a time. It was 2012. A church invited me out of Augusta, Georgia, a large church, uh, to, in, to speak to them on a Sunday morning. Uh, so my wife Brenda and I, because it was driving distance, we just drove there, and we got there Saturday night, and the pastor knew I was coming in Saturday night. He said, would you mind meeting with our leaders for church? I said, no problem whatsoever. So uh, they arranged for us to meet with their leaders. It was at a very, very high-end uh, restaurant. Uh, because of the, of the golf tournament and everything, there, Augusta's got a lot of high-end restaurants. And so, so they, they reserved this room in the back of the restaurant. Brenda and I were the last ones to walk in there. It was an oval kind of a table, oval table. And they had two seats left. There were about 22, 23 people in that room. Uh, they, they had two seats left over here. So Brenda and I w walked in there. I had never met the pastor. I had never met the pastor's wife. I, I, I just didn't know anybody there. This was just cold turkey. So we went and sat down there. As we sat down, people stopped talking, started staring at us. You know, like weird Christians. <laughs> yeah, Christians can be very weird. <laughs> and, and they started staring at us. So Brenda sitting next to me, and uh, you know, she's hitting me under the table with her knees. After you've been married for a while, you have your own Morse court, you know. Uh, she was saying, let's get out of here. And I'm saying, but we have not ate yet. You know, a free meal. <laughs> the pastor's wife, Rhonda, was sitting over there. Remember, this is an oval table. We are sitting in the middle here. People everywhere like this. About 22, 23 people like that. And Rhonda's sitting right there. And she says to me, Sam, in case you're wondering why we are staring at you, pray tell. 
They said, we started our church in 1986. In 1986, somebody gave us a prophetic word that there'll be a man by the name of Sam from India who's going to come and it will, that weekend will change the trajectory of the church. That's 1986. Remember, I'm in 2012 now. I wear many years like that. And she says, we have a weekly meeting, a prayer meeting. Every Tuesday, we have a prayer meeting. And every Tuesday, one of the standing things we pray about is, where is Sam from India? You're Sam from India. 1986, I was pastoring a church in Michigan. 1986, they were starting their church in Augusta, Georgia. I did not know that. They did not know that. But God was at work one step at a time. And if you know that at the beginning of 2018, that God is guiding your life, you're not making it happen. But because you are a child of God, the Bible tells us that the steps of a righteous man are what? Everything that's happening in your life is taking you to a destiny that God has chosen for you. Simon was there and you are here. Once you know that, that what Pastor Gay was talking about signing up, you have no idea what's waiting for you. You might think you're just signing up to help with the weekend. Signing up to beat the drums or whatever. <laughs> they do want you to have some base knowledge of whatever you're going to do. <laughs> it's not like, so what is a drumstick? No. <laughs> Am I making that pretty clear? It's like, this is a keyboard. <laughs> Will you do me a favor? Will everyone go like this? That is what is known as the providential sovereignty of God. So I did not meet Pastor Buddy Marston at the Sheraton Hotel for the first time in Lagos, Nigeria. Just so that we had never met before. So I flew in from Atlanta. He flew in from Fredericksburg. And it was not like, hey, how are you? I did not know. He did not know that here on the 7th of January, 2018, we met in 2004. Here in, on January the 7th, 2018, God is knitting our lives. Once you know that, it takes all the hyperventilation out of life. You're not going, <laughs> no, you're not doing any of those. You are going through life saying, God, I'm yours and you are mine. You love me and I love you. We are doing this journey together. And whatever happened on journey is ordered of you. Simon was there and I am here. Second thing. God will ask you to do things that you don't want to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Even as you're listening to those 
opportunities of ministry, you're saying, kids, me? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm too old for that. Or whatever is going on in your head. Picture with me. Simon is standing there, minding his own business. He's been going three months on foot to get to his destination. The soldier says to Simon, carry his cross. There's, a, there's an interesting word that, uh, that uh, we read earlier, and it says, and they compel. <laughs> you know what compel means? You don't want to do it. It's like you ask your kids to clean their room, and then you threaten them. <laughs> if you ever want to leave this house again, I want to take your phone from you, your iPad from you. When I was growing up, they just, you know, they didn't have none of that to take away, so. <laughs> Our challenge is we are looking for comfort, and God is looking for conformity. Because in Simon's greatest disappointment, God had an eternal appointment. Simon knew that if he picked up this cross, he would not be able to achieve his dream he's had for three months. Because if he picked up this cross, he'd be unclean. And because he'd be unclean, he could not participate in the feast of the Passover. Now for three months, him and his boys have been talking about what they're going to do. For three months, they've been talking about Jerusalem. For three months, they've been talking about the temple. For three months, they've been talking about the sacrifices. For three months, that's all they've dreamed of, talked about, back for, and now they are within sight of what they wanted. And Simon was not going to be able to participate in the Passover. In his greatest disappointment, God had an amazing eternal appointment. Some of you might be going through a disappointing time in your life. Some of you maybe are being compelled by the sword of the Holy Spirit to step up and do something. And I'm here to tell you, God is bringing your journeys together in such a way you may not appreciate it, you may not like it, it may be the highest disappointment for you, but when you look back on it, well, let's look back on it. Romans chapter 16 tells us this. Romans chapter 16, verse 13. Salute Rufus. Remember Rufus? Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Leave it up there for just a moment. Salute Rufus. Now, let's do a little hermeneutic here. Remember the book of Mark where we picked up Rufus and Alexander? And the book of Romans. The book of Mark was written to Romans. So Matthew was written to the Jews. Mark was written to the Romans. Luke was written to the Greeks. And John was written to the believers at large. 
So Mark is written to the Romans. So Mark, writing to the Romans, assumes everybody knows who Simon is and Rufus and Alexander. The book of Romans is being written by Paul. It is his book to the Christians in Rome. He's never been to Rome. He's planning on going to Rome. This is a pre-Rome letter. And he's writing them to tell them I'm coming. And then he gives his theological treatise over there. He ends up the last chapter by saying, hey, say hi to Aunt Sally and Uncle Larry. Do you know? So that's, that's chapter 16. In there he says, say hello to who? Rufus. And his mama, who is like a mother to me. I got a question for you. How did Rufus end up in Rome? I don't know. You don't know. So let's make it up. <laughs> I went to Bible class to learn how to do this. So don't, do this, don't try this at home. <laughs> we know that Simon was not able to go back into the Passover. We know that. We don't know what happened on the road from when he picked up the cross to Golgotha. But I can imagine that, and you can imagine along with me, Simon picks up the blood-soaked cross of Jesus. Simon puts the blood-soaked cross on his back. Before Jesus could shed his blood, Jesus' blood was on Simon's back. I don't know what Jesus said to Simon as they walked alongside. Because the only person in the Bible who rescued Jesus in the only helpless place in his life was Simon from Cyrene. I don't know what they talked about. Maybe Jesus looked at him through bleary eyes and said, where you been, man? <laughs> been waiting for you. Didn't know who it was, but I knew somebody was coming. I don't know the conversation they had, but it was a life-changing conversation. Simon gets back home to Mama Simon. What happened? Oh, little Alexander and Rufus chirp up. Oh, Mama, Mama, they almost killed Daddy. Mama, Mama, there's blood all over him. And they are talking, and he lets them talk for a little bit, and then... Mama and daddy have a conversation. There was this man. He said to me, I'm Jesus. And I said to him, I'm Simon. And I don't know what all Simon told his wife. But something happened in Cyrene. They packed up their U-Haul. Yes, they did. Read your Bibles. And they moved to Jerusalem, the entire Simon family. Paul, at that time, was in his mentoring process, being mentored by Barnabas and others. Somehow, you following me? Somehow, Paul, the disciple, not an apostle yet, Paul, 
ends up in the Simon household. Mama Simon starts mentoring this young disciple, used to be Saul and now called Paul. And somehow poured herself into his life to the degree he says, Salute Rufus, chosen the Lord, and his mother, who's like a mama to me. And then somehow in God's providence, the Simon family moved from Jerusalem, and now they're living in Rome. Obviously, they are elders in the church. Obviously, they are leaders in the Roman church. And now Paul is writing a letter to the Roman church saying, say hello to Rufus and his mama, who's like a mama to me. How did that happen? That happens because God's got a plan. That happens because we understand his sovereignty is stronger than our circumstances. It happens because we believe that we are not accidental, but we are purposeful. It happens when we ask the question, got your hands out, get your hands out, get your hands out, get your hands out. We ask the question, why me? Why here? So what? And then we take those hands and we go like this. And we remind ourselves that so what? So this meeting between Jesus and Simon became an intercontinental meeting. Africa, Cyrene. Asia, Jerusalem. Europe, Rome. You may think I'm just standing here looking at the scenario and God might have an intercontinental plan for your life. India, Fredericksburg, Atlanta, Lagos, Nigeria. Why me? Why here? So what? Twenty eighteen can be the most amazing year for you if you will just do four actions. You ready? Let's do that without the words, without the words. One, two, three. So Lord, I thank you for your word, for reminding us in first week, why me? Why here? So what? And your sovereignty. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. No one's looking around. You're here this morning. And maybe that is your question. Why me?
Why here? So what? Is this all there is to life? Is there more to life? Is there more that God has for me? Is this all? There's got to be more. And then we see our fingers coming together. And we see God's divine purpose being played out in what we call incidental things on a daily basis. But they have intercontinental consequences. If you're here this morning in this room and online, and you want to be open to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, in 2018, as uncomfortable as the situation might be, as hard the circumstances might be, as perplexing the situations might be, I'll remain open to what you ask me to do. It might mean carrying a cross for somebody I've never met before. But what I don't know is how it could change lives of millions of people through Paul. If you're here this morning and you just want to be open to the Holy Spirit to say yes to him, Right where you're seated, will you just lift up your hand so I can pray with you? Wow, wow, you can put hands down. So Lord, my hand is lifted too. I want you to know today that all of us are going to find ourselves in Simon's position sometime or the other. Being asked to do something, being compelled to do something, not wanting to do it, and yet understanding there's a purpose in everything. We live purpose-full lives, driven by divine sovereignty, but accepted by our frail humanity. Why me? Why here? So what? Well, every head is still bowed, every eye is still closed. The greatest so what is when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in our lives. The greatest so what is when we say, Lord, I'm sorry, and he forgives us. The greatest so what is if at one time you were living a life of purpose and now you feel like you're drifting and you want to just come back home. In a moment, I'm going to count till three. If you want to give your life to the Lord or you want to just rededicate your life, at the count of three, just lift up your hand. I'll, right where you're at, I will pray with you. One, Two, three. Can I see your hands? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four. You can put your hands down. Let me pray for you. So, Lord, here we are. Saying to you. Saying to you. You are King. You are Lord. We surrender our lives to you. You're the Savior. You're the Master. And there's not a more powerful life than volitional surrender, willful surrender. So for every hand that was raised today, I thank you because the trajectory of our life can totally be changed.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. I want to share something with you that I want to just give you something, a a book simply called, uh, if you can put the 444 slide up there. Uh, There we go. It's coming. It's all right. It's coming. Uh, I just want to give you a book called uh, Change Your Culture, Change Everything. And if you go, if you get your phones out, and it'll be coming up in a minute, Uh, if you get your phones out, and in your text message, here's the number you need to put in there. It is 444-999. So it's pretty simple. 444-999. 444-999. And in the message section, just write my last name, Chand, C-H-A-N-D, and hit send. It's going to come back. There it is. It's going to come back uh, with uh, a question like, what is your name? And just just fill in the information, and you can get that information. So that is, that is a free book that you can get. So that's 444-999, and put in chant, C-H-A-N-D, hit send, and tell you what to do after that. I have just a few of these left from last night. Uh, this is my latest book called Bigger, Faster Leadership. It simply informs you that for you to have all that God has for you, you've got to prepare yourself for it. How many of you know opportunities come to those who are prepared? Uh, and as you prepare your life, organize your systems, organize your family, organize your finances, organize your spirituality, this helps you understand that bigger, faster leadership is available to you if you organize yourself to do that. So this is a very, very practical, hands-on book that helps you to get ahead in life simply by saying, here are the things I can do to make it happen. There are, I think, about eight, ten of them left on the table out there. Alicia will meet you, and she'll be happy to sell you one of these. They're just 20 bucks, so it's not going to break your bank, but it is available there. So I want to conclude with you by making sure you got it. The first time we're going to do it with the words, the second time we're going to do it without the words, okay? You ready? Put your hands out. Okay. You may want to warm up for this. I mean, this is like... A lot of exercise here. I mean, you want to kind of, you know, kind of do some warm-up jumping jacks, do something, okay? <laughs> you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. With the words, second time without the words. One, two, three. Why me? Why here? So what? Okay. Now without the words. One, two, three. Thank you. No. Well, thank you, Sam, for a wonderful message, and maybe an answer by the sometime in 2018, you'll find out exactly why you're here and what God has for your life, and we're praying that that will be the case. So we have one more service today. If you want to stick around, we'd love for you to stick around. It'll be the last opportunity. Sam will be leaving right after uh, the 11 o'clock service, headed back to Atlanta, uh, and so if you um, want to get his book or talk to him at all, uh, do that and stick around, get some donuts or coffee, and we'll start at 11 o'clock and for our final service today for first week. Uh, you know, at uh, this time of year, every time that we, uh, if you're a guest today, just want to explain this to you, we take a love offering every um, time we have a uh, revival or first week. It just helps us uh, with the expenses. It's quite expensive for us to, uh, to pull this off. And anything you can give saying, you know what, I really appreciate what's happening and you want to help us with that, that would be awesome if you say, I'm not helping with that. i say, okay, that's all right. Uh, God will take care of that too. Uh, but if you could do that, you can give the check or you can go out to the 
credit card, debit card machines, and you can even give cash. And uh, sometime this week while you're here, if you could help us with that, that'd be great. So we're going to close out standing together, worshiping and receiving this offering. And thank you for your uh, gift today. out his praise, okay? Help me out. Shout your praise. 
Thank you for your presence, and Lord, we're expecting great things at 11 and throughout this week, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Just to remind you, the message will be different at 11 than today at the 9 o'clock when we're just finishing, and also if you received Christ today or you accepted him or recommitted your life to him, would you stop out at the table in the foyer? It has the big sign that said accepted Christ. Stop here, and uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. God bless you. See you at 11. It's your breath.